Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. There we go. Hey, let me first introduce myself um, and say thank you so much for having us here this morning. It's been a while. I think we were back here. When was that, Preston? April, March, somewhere in the spring. Um, And I will go ahead and tell you, today's going to look a lot different. And I don't mean from the perspective that I'm a foot shorter than the guy, Jared, who has been here um, for the last little bit. Um, But my name is Brian Hall, and I'm the pastor at Chestnut Mountain Church. Um, I am a North Hall boy through and through. Um, You're going to hear about that in just a minute. I was saved right here when I was 13 years old. Um, And so Riverbend is a very, very special place to me. And so it's always an honor to come back to the place that God saved my soul and to get to open the word. And I do want to go ahead this morning and, and like I said, just go ahead and throw it out there that today is going to be a lot different. Um, You see, God laid something on our heart at about 2.30 in the morning this past week. Um, I had been talking with Jared throughout the week and had been asking the Lord and asking Jared at the same time, not that we compare the two, but, you know, where do we need to go? What, what, what do we need to share this morning? And he sort of gave me um, his thoughts. And then the more we talked, um, God completely made it very clear as to what we were to share. And so I'm going to be sharing this morning. And like I said, it's going to be different than what you're used to. And, um, and unless God leads us otherwise, uh, the response time is going to be a lot different today. Or for if you're from the South, the invitation. It's going to be a little bit different uh, But you know, all throughout scripture, we see over a dozen times, we see a principle that is talked about. And it's the refining process. It talks about the refining of gold and silver, and it talks about purification. And and I want to give you just one example. This is not where we're coming from today, but I just wanted to read it to you right quick so that you can understand exactly what we're, where we're going and exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to this idea of refining. David writes in Psalm 66, chapter or verses 10 through 12. You'll see it on the screen. I'm going to read it right here, but it says, for you, God tested us. You refined us as silver is refined. You lured us into a trap. You placed burdens on our back. You let men ride over our heads and we went through fire and water, but you brought us out in abundance. And so this is a reference to the refining process. But what I want to do is is sort of give you the 30,000 foot view of what the refining process may have looked like in biblical times. And and where it all starts is you would have had a miner who would have have pulled some raw material from the earth. It would have been just a lump of clay. It would have been a lump of some sort of material that was covered in dirt, covered in mud. And they would have begun the process and they would have washed it. They would have got it down to its nearest solid form that they possibly could. And then they took it from there and they would have placed it into a melting pot. And this melting pot is where this raw material would have been placed and then would have been placed into heat or either overheat. And so the purpose of that heat was so that it would identify the impurities that were inside this raw material that the refiner or the miner had brought out of the earth. And so the way this process would begin is this raw material was placed into the melting pot, then placed into a flame or over a flame so that the impurities would be exposed. 
And so then the refiner would have taken the melting pot from the flame and then they would have positioned themselves over the top of the melting pot. And because of the density of gold or silver, the density would have taken it to the, to the bottom of the melting pot and all of the impurities would have made their way to the top. And then they would have sat with over the top with a, what you and I would probably look at as tweezers and they would have begun to pull the impurities out. And so this refining process was something that was constant. It was something that was ongoing. They would pull it out. They would remove the impurities, place it back into the heat, place it back into the flame, pull it out again, remove more impurities until the process was complete and until the gold or silver reached the potential that the refiner knew that it had. But here's the, the beauty of this. And I want you to think about the parallels of how God continues to work in all of our lives as his children from a perspective of a miner and a refiner. You see, when the, the refiner knew that the gold had finally reached its full potential, is when he would be able to remove it from the heat, look down into the gold or look down into the silver and see his own reflection from the surface of the material. And that's when the refiner realized it has reached its most valuable position or condition. Now, what I want you to think about though is as a child of God, we will never achieve the perfect reflection of Christ until we are with him. You understand that, right? So don't think today, well, that little God told me that I can be perfect. No, that's not what I'm saying. We are all in this refining process. This is gonna be something that we constantly walk through until the day we meet Jesus Christ. It's a constant process. It's a constant putting into the heat, pulling out, moving the impurities. And so the question that we have to look at, the things that we have to ask ourselves this morning is that are we willing to submit to the refining process? Because I'm just gonna be real honest with you, it's not easy. It's not a lot of fun. But I think we can all agree in this room, if you're here and you're bought by the, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we all want God to use us, right? We all want God to use us while we're here. And while that all sounds great, we can say, God, I want you to use me in my family. I want you to use me in my workplace. God, I want you to use me on my sports team. God, I want you to use me in my office. We all want God to use us. But are we willing to submit to the refining process as he prepares to use us? That's the tougher question that we've got to ask. Do we want to be used enough by God that we're saying, God, you refine me. God, place me into the heat because God, I want to be your reflection. And so this morning, how I'm going to begin, and this is where it really goes a little bit different is, is I'm just going to share a little bit with you my story. And I want to share with you the refining process that that God has taken me through and also the, the process, honestly, that I'm still in. I'm 40, no, my wife don't even know my age. I think I'm 47 or 46. Anyway, irrelevant, I guess. Praise the Lord. Preston told me before I got here, he said, I think you're shorter than the last time you were here. So thank you, pal. And I have glasses now and I didn't have these last time. So it is what it is. Now I can't even remember how old I am. So praise God, we're off to a great start. But as I begin to share my story with you, what I want you to hear in the very beginning of this story, you're gonna think, well, man, he's just using that to, to boast on his accomplishments. He's just using that to, to tell us these things about himself. But I, 
I can't not go on into my story without you knowing a little bit about me and about you, without you knowing a little bit of where I come from. You see, as a freshman and sophomore in high school, I, I told you earlier, I went to North Hall. And I mentioned that my name is Brian Hall. So even to this day, some 30 years later, I can be out in public and people will ask me, are you Brian Hall from North Hall? And so it's kind of this long going joke that I have to say, well, I guess I am. But the only reason that they say that is because all I was ever known for was playing sports. That was it. And between my freshman and sophomore year, when you look at what I was doing playing sports, I was the starting point guard on the basketball team. Yes, five foot seven, I know, just don't make fun. I was the starting running back and the, star free, and, the, and the starting free safety on the football team. I set two school records as a freshman on the track team. And then I was the starting left forward on the soccer team. And so when you see that, when you hear that, in, from an outside perspective, you were thinking, my gosh. And not only to mention, I was a freshman and I had a senior cheerleader girlfriend. My mom loved that one. That one didn't work out, so I you know, downgraded to a junior basketball player instead. She still wasn't really happy with that one either. And so for all intensive purposes, from an outsider looking in, it appeared that I had everything going the way that a young man could want it to go. Every day I woke up and I put this letter jacket on and I would walk the hallways of North Hall with just this perception of, man, I've got it good. That's the way it appeared. Now, you know, that even now when I'm talking about high school, maybe you can even think back in your life through seasons of, of your journey. Maybe, you know how songs always relate to us? You could, we could go through like some 80s and some 90s songs right now and, and play them. And all of a sudden you would hear a song and it would take you back somewhere. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It would be back to the beach or it would be back to a certain year of your high school career or maybe your elementary school. I don't know. It depends on how good your memory is. But songs always take us back. And as I was thinking and I was talking about my story, there's, there's a song that, that honestly takes me back to right where I was. My freshman and sophomore year, it appeared that everything was perfect in my life. But I wanna to read to you the lyrics of the song. And, and I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, you probably don't know the song, you may. But here's the song, the lyrics of the song that connected with where I was in that season of that freshman and sophomore year where it appeared that everything was great. It says this, lately, I've been winning battles left and right, but even winners can get wounded in the fight. People say that I'm amazing, I'm strong beyond my years, but they don't, they don't see inside of me, I'm hiding all the tears. They don't know that I come running home when I fall down. They don't know who picks me up when no one is around. I drop my sword and I cry for just a while because deep inside this armor, this warrior is a child. And what I mean by that is, at that season of my high school career, I would put that letter jacket on and what appeared to be kind of this bulletproof armor to all of my friends, to all of my families, to all of the people that I was around at school, what I began to realize is that that letter jacket was not my armor. All it was simply doing was helping cover up 
a part of my life that I didn't want anybody to know about. And what I begin to realize is that deep inside that armor, this warrior that everybody had this vision of was simply just a broken child. But you see, the part that nobody knew about me is that for many, many nights, I would go home as a high school kid and I would get in the bed at night and from 15 to 16 to 17 year old, there was a many nights that I cried myself to sleep. And the reason that I cried myself to sleep is because there was a part of my life that nobody knew about, that I didn't want anybody to know about, that I kept secret. Because every night what brought tears to my eyes as I laid my head in my, on my pillow at night is there was one looming question that I wanted answered. And that one looming question that I would often ask myself was this, does my daddy love me? Does my daddy love me? Because you see what no one knew about my dad is that my dad was an alcoholic. And while it appeared that I was in the sweetest season of my life, what no one else knew is that I was actually in the toughest season of my life. I was in the darkest season of my life as a young man. Because you see, I was, I was tired of watching my mom hurt. I was tired of watching my little brother that was three and a half years younger than me just try to make sense of why home was the way home was. And so here I am, on the outside it looks great. But at the end of the day, the three of us, my mom, my brother, and myself, we were in the middle of a fire. We were in the middle of a mess and no one knew, to my knowledge. And you see, here's where it gets tough. Because the enemy, you understand, he's a liar and a deceiver. And so the enemy would continue to tell me, Brian, you can't tell anyone. No one can know the weight that you're carrying because if they know this about you, then it's gonna change their perception of you. Because on the outside, it looks like you got it all together. And if they know you're hurting, if they know you're weak, if they know you're broken, you're no longer gonna be the hero. And so here I am processing that and listen to me, believing every word that the enemy told me. That if I open up, that if I share with anyone what I'm dealing with at home, I will no longer have the reputation that I have. And I can remember, I can remember begging God. I can remember at night pleading with God, God, do something. God, do something. And of course, as a 14, 15 year old boy, I prayed that God would heal my dad. I prayed that God would deliver my dad from alcoholism. But then in my anger, I would pray, God, just take my dad. And y'all know you're going, did you just say that from the stage? Yeah, it's real life. I was so angry, I was so hurt, I was so bitter, I would get to the place, God, the only answer is just take him. Just take him away. And to be honest with you, I was absolutely worn out. 
I was worn out from protecting people. I was protecting my reputation. I was trying to protect my, my mom and my brother. But I mean, hey, it's my dad. I tried to protect my dad because I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want anybody to know the lifestyle my dad was living because everybody loved my dad. My dad used to walk in this place and you would think he was a politician. He waved at everybody. Everybody loved my dad. And I was worn out trying to protect him because I didn't want anybody to know who he really was and what his struggle actually was. And you know, I almost feel that we could even stop right now in this moment because I know without a doubt there's people in this room that you were in the same condition I was. That you were in the same place that I was. You got ready for church this morning. You put on your Sunday best. You put on the biggest smile you have. And if I were to look at your social media, it would look like a Hallmark card. But at the end of the day, under right under the surface of this idea that I've got it all together, that things are perfect, right under the surface, there's heartache. Right under the surface, there's anger. Maybe right under the surface, there's an addiction that you don't want anybody to know about. Maybe right under the surface, there's a struggle that you don't want anybody to know about because the enemies told you, if they know, they won't love you. If they know, they won't look at you the same again. And you're sitting here right now in this moment and you're tired of carrying it because it gets exhausting trying to be somebody that you're really not. So I wanna share how God began to work in my life. And I know you've been going, is he ever gonna get to the Bible? Yes, I'm getting to the Bible. Second Corinthians chapter one. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn there and and this has become one of my, I won't say favorite passages of scripture, but one of the most applicable passages of scripture that I've ever seen written. But I'm gonna sort of break it up and we're gonna read verse three and a little bit of verse four, and then we're gonna spend some time there. But in 2 Corinthians chapter one, verse three, it says this, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. And verse four, he comforts us in all of our afflictions. He comforts us in all of our afflictions. Now, first, I want you to understand the context of what Paul is writing about is persecution to the believers. Paul is saying, I've been persecuted, but I've been comforted. You're gonna be persecuted, so now I'm gonna comfort you. So I understand the context of this passage is all about persecution of the new believer or the believers. But what I love about this is I don't believe with anything in me that when we read that, it says that he's the God of all comfort for what? All afflictions. So I don't think we can limit the afflictions or some of your Bibles probably say suffering. I don't think we can limit it to just persecution of the believer. Because if you're in this room today, you've walked through affliction, you've walked through struggles, you've walked through trials. And what I'm here to tell you is that God wants to comfort you in the midst of it. God wants to comfort you in it. And so you may ask me, well, Brian, how in the world 
Did God comfort you? How did God comfort you when you were ready to give up? How did God comfort you when you were ready just to throw in the towel? Did he heal your dad? No. No, he didn't. In that season, it wasn't until seven years before my dad died that he was healed. And praise God, the, our relationship was reconciled. I was holding his hand when the Lord called him home. And I'm thankful for that. But God didn't comfort me as a 16 and 17 year old boy by healing my dad. And you're going, well, okay, well, how did he? Now, you got to pay attention to what I'm about to say because what I'm about to say, I'm going to put in quotes a lot of times because I want you to fully comprehend what I'm saying. The way that God began to comfort me was that God comforted me by being silent or what I thought was silent. Because remember, I'm pleading with God. God, heal my dad. Take my dad. Remove all these obstacles. And it was as if in my mind, nothing was happening. So if you would have asked me, does God hear your prayer? As a 15-year-old boy, I would have said, no, he doesn't hear my prayer because he's not doing anything. He's not working and operating the way that I've requested him to work. So maybe he doesn't even love me. But what I realized, and I didn't learn this till honestly about 10 years ago, that so many times when God is silent, God is speaking loud and clear. And I began to realize that God was speaking loud and clear in his silence. Because what I realized is that a lot of times when God is silent, he's wanting you to turn to his people that he has sent to be around you. He's wanting you to turn to a family of believers that God has placed around you, that he's insulated you with. And so as a young man, I began to discover this. I began to realize this because remember the enemies told me, don't tell a soul. Don't tell anyone. They'll look at you different. They'll treat you differently. But what I began to open my eyes up to is realizing that God had me insulated with a group of guys. And so I want to read some of their names and some of you are going to know these men. They were little boys then. But when God was silent, I started turning to my little brother, Josh. And instead of trying to protect him, we would talk about it. And then I began to turn to, to Mitch Stevens, to Andy Taylor, to Jay Parrish, to Tim McGill, to Bart Cape to David Shugart, to Brad Anderson, to Robert Cornett, to Jeremy Kemp, to Chris McCall, and my youth pastor, Lowell Whitmire. And I'm here today to tell you that God provided comfort through the men that he placed around me. Because what I realized is that this whole theory of if they, if, you, if they know, they'll look at you different. God used those men to debunk that lie. 
But what we first have to understand is the context of of this word comfort that Paul is talking about. Because if I were to interview you right now and say, hey, what does comfort mean to you? I think back last night, I was cuddled up on my couch with a blanket because my wife keeps it like 36 degrees in our house. And I was watching TV and, and to me, that's comfortable. I was cozy, I was safe. I was with the people that I love. But when you look at the the original language, what the word comfort means, listen to this, it's actually to call to one's side. So when God says he's gonna comfort you, it doesn't mean that he's just gonna make you warm and fuzzy and cozy. It means that he's gonna place people in your life. Comfort is this, comfort is much more than soothing sympathy. Comfort is an idea of strengthening, helping, and making you strong. Now, while these guys were not God, these men were God's conduit to come alongside me, to give me courage to keep moving forward, to give me strength to to raise my hands on the days that I didn't want to raise my hands. They kept me fighting on the days that I didn't want to fight. And they often reminded me over and over that God is your refuge. They often challenged me to keep my eyes on him. And I'm reminded of what Paul wrote the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up as you are already doing. That's what these men were doing in my life. In this season of refining, in this season of being in the fire, is that God placed men to be in the fire with me. And so while some of you are here today and you're worn out, you're tired of covering up, you're you're tired of pretending that everything is perfect. I want you to pay attention to who God has placed around you that he wants to help you carry the burden. I found this this week and it was so eye-opening because I've lived it. It says oftentimes we don't receive this comfort that's available because pride keeps us from revealing our needs. And if others don't know the need, we'll never receive the comfort God wants to provide through them. What I want you to know today is, I want you to realize that this whole scenario that we're talking about, this is what the local body of believers is for. This is what the family of God is for. A church isn't supposed to be a place that you put your mask on and pretend you've got it all together. The church is supposed to cultivate a culture that it's okay to not be okay. And I know the people at Chestnut Mountain Church, they probably get tired of hearing my laundry. 
But I know they love me and I love them. And so therefore, we want to carry each other's burdens. We want to talk about it instead of trying to cover it all up and pretend it doesn't exist. That's what the church is for. It's a family that is to shoulder each other's burdens. And you know, it works. You see, once I shared with all of my guys, the load got lighter. It didn't go away, but it got lighter. But you know, as a young teenage boy, that's great that it got lighter, but for me, I still wanted to make sense of it. I still would in my anger ask God, why? God, why am I in this fire? God, I don't understand the purpose. It's great that you've got men around me that have come alongside me, that are helping me carry the weight, but God, why? Why am I having to walk through this? Look back in 2 Corinthians chapter one. And we look in verse four and I'll start from the beginning of verse four again. It says, he comforts us in all affliction. Ready? So that. He gives you the equal sign. He tells you the why. He's about to inform us of why you are in the storm, why you are in the fire, why you are being afflicted, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the suffering of Christ overflows to us, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. Then verse seven, and our hope for you is firm. Because we know that as you share in the sufferings, you will also share in the comfort. Paul informs them the why behind the what. Because you realize that Christ suffered on the cross for you. Christ suffered on your behalf. And that suffering that he endured on the cross, just as Paul said, it overflows to you. It overflows in salvation. It overflows by the blood of the lamb being shed to take away your sins and mine. So his suffering was for us. And so what we need to exemplify is that if Christ is gonna suffer on our behalf, then we ought to be willing to suffer for the others on their behalf. And so what Paul is saying, he says, if you have been through affliction, if you are suffering, what you have to understand is this is all part of the refining process that I'm preparing to use you, that God is preparing to use your story. God's preparing to use your fire. God's preparing to use your circumstances because you were comforted in the midst of it. And now you're gonna be able to do the same for others. Now you're gonna be able to comfort others the way you yourself have been comforted. And so what I realized as a young man is that God sent others to comfort me. And God was gonna use me to comfort others. I found this quote this week and 
It says this, sometimes God delivers us from the fiery furnace, but sometimes he makes us fireproof and lets it burn on. Listen to this, the pain will produce power. Pain is not authorized to destroy you, but it is authorized to make you. That's the refining process that the Father wants to do in your life. And so as I look back, I see who all God had sent to me. And it began to cause me to look at things differently. Because I began to look for others that I could provide the comfort that I had been provided. And so there's no doubt in my mind that many of you in this room this morning, you've been through the stories of suffering. You've been through the stories of affliction. And now you're on the other side. You've weathered the storm. And maybe you're still looking for purpose as to to why I walked through it. Can I tell you, God wants to use you. God wants to use you in someone else's life. And I can guarantee you, they're probably in this room that God wants you to come alongside someone. I remember very early on in our marriage, me and my wife, we had a miscarriage. And it crushed both of us. And I was angry at God. But then some years later, when God called us to Chestnut Mountain, you see, I used to be a PE teacher. And I remember one day at lunch, sitting with a former guy that played on my basketball team that had just got married. They wanted to open up and take us to lunch one day and we sat down at lunch and they both broke. They had just both experienced, they had just had a miscarriage. They had no idea we had had a miscarriage. But then all of a sudden, lights went off. Okay, God, you were preparing us to meet them right where they're at. You were preparing us to walk with them in this season. And some of you today, you need to just simply say, God, use my story. You know, maybe you've been through affliction. Maybe you're on the other side and nobody knows. Let those who boast, boast in the Lord. God wants to use that. Your pain was for nothing. Your suffering had a purpose. And I remember when I realized the purpose that God had placed on my heart and why God had sent me through this. And it's something very similar to what our students are experiencing right now at Chestnut Mountain. For the last four weeks, we've had students that'll stand on stage with our youth pastor, Chase, and Chase will interview them about their story. And some of them, it's stories of abuse. Some of them, it's stories that they checked all the boxes in church. They were good at religion, but they didn't have a relationship. And because these teenagers are bold enough to finally stand and vocalize their story, we've seen half a dozen to a dozen teenagers come to know Christ over the last three weeks because God is using their story. 
God is using it to transform lives. And I experienced the same thing. I remember I had been offered a full scholarship to play basketball at Presbyterian College. And I had to say no, because I couldn't leave my mom and my little brother with everything going on at home that was going on at home. And that was hard for me because I had wanted to play basketball my whole life. And I can remember I got to, to Super Wow. How many of you have ever heard that name, Super Wow? We're going back old school. That used to be youth camp. We were at Super Wow and some of the leaders began to hear my story through some of our students and through some of our leaders. And so they came to me one night and they said, will you share your story in front of your seminar class? And I thought, you know, seminar class, we're probably talking, you know, 35, 40 kids. I said, sure, I've never spoke in front of anybody. But yeah, sure, I'll use my story. So they kept me behind a curtain and I realized now that there was a purpose that they kept me behind the curtain. They opened the curtain and I stepped out onto a stage similar to this one in front of a room of 600 juniors and seniors in high school. And I shared my story. And so as I shared my story and we closed out, one of the pastors got up and he said, I think Brian would be willing to talk to any of you tonight. So he's gonna be available down front. And if you wanna talk to him, if you wanna encourage him, if you want to just hug his neck, shake his hands, he'll be down here. And so what seemed like the next three hours, teenagers lined up all the way around that room to come and shake my hand with tears in their eyes, saying, I've been so alone because my dad's an alcoholic and nobody knows. My home's a mess and I can't tell anyone. And so for hours, I stood. And as an 18 year old boy, I was finally in a place where I was able to thank God for my storm. I was able to thank God for the fire that he had sent me through because I finally found purpose, that he was using it. And there's no doubt in my mind that many of you in this room this morning, you have the story that God wants to use. But the bottom line is this, this is your takeaway from today. He has either refined you or he is in the middle of refining you. You're either in a fire or you've been in a fire. But God wants to use it for his glory. And so I'm really, really struggling. Y'all are gonna realize I'm very transparent. If I'm struggling, I'm gonna tell you I'm struggling. And I'll be real honest, I don't know how to close out today. Because I can look around the room and I, I see tears in some of your eyes. And that lets me know that there's something in you that nobody knows. And the weight of that is finally coming to a head. Can I tell you the enemy is a liar and a deceiver. God wants to comfort you. 
God's got people in this room that have been through fire that he wants to send to you. But that comfort can't be provided unless people know. And no, we're not gonna open the mic and have everybody come share your struggle. That's not it. But I believe there's, there's three layers to this response today. And first and foremost, the first response that I want you to think about is that somebody has not surrendered to the fact that Jesus Christ suffered for you. His death on the cross meant life for you. And you've been attempting to try to be good enough to earn God's love. Go ahead and bury that one. You can't do that either. That's why his son was sent to take away your sins to cover the very thing that you can't cover. And so that first layer of response today and It's okay if I just jump down off this thing. I don't know if I'm supposed to step on this or not. Okay, we're good. But if you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and you can say today, I realized that his suffering was for me. I'm really gonna make this room pretty awkward. It's gonna be awkward one way or the other. It's gonna be me awkward by myself or I'm gonna put you in a position to be awkward. But I think God honors awkward. And if you can say today, Brian, I need to place my faith in Jesus Christ. The reason I stepped down on the stage is because I, I want you to know that you got somebody that's gonna come alongside you. And if you can say today, I need to surrender to his suffering, that it was done for me and you need to place your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ today, I'm gonna to ask you to come and stand beside me. If you need to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ this morning, repent of your sins and believe in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if that's you, I want you to come and join me. And I'm gonna stand here awkwardly for just a minute. See, I told y'all I was going to be the only one that's awkward. But now what I want to do is I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet for the second layer of this response. And maybe today you can relate to my story and you can say, Brian, that's me. I'm tired of hiding I'm tired of trying to cover up. I'm tired of pretending. And Brian, I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I'm suffering. And I'm in the midst of affliction. And I'm alone. And if that's you, I want you to step out and come and join me. Well, you're not gonna have to talk. You're not gonna have to say a word, but I want you to come and join me and I want you to stand beside me. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. 
Anybody else? Church, it's okay to not be okay. There's still somebody that's holding on. Some of you are going, if I take a step, they're all gonna know. Is there anybody else? Now for the last layer. Thank you. Anybody else? Now look, your brothers and sisters are saying, I'm hurting. I'm carrying something that maybe nobody knows about. You understand this is a cry for help. This is a plea that I need family. While I don't know circumstances, God does. And to be honest with you, some of these may be tired Maybe you've been through the fire. Maybe you've been through the affliction. Maybe today you need to surrender your story and say, God, I've been comforted. And so today I'm going to comfort others. You don't have to know what they're walking through. But what they need this morning is a brother or sister in Christ who says, hey, I'm here for you. That's what family does. And so while you may not know circumstances, you may not even know the people Shoot, I don't. But maybe today you need to say, Brian, I'm, I'm surrendering my story. I'm surrendering the affliction that I've been through. And Brian, today, I just want God to use me. I want God to use me. Can I tell you right now is your chance. God can use you right now in this moment. If you want God to use you, you come and lock arms with a brother or sister in Christ. And we're just going to enter a time of prayer. We're going to enter a time of worship. But listen, I'm going to be bold right here. And I try not to be too transparent and too... They better not be alone. They better not be alone. God didn't call us into this journey to be alone. So I invite you in this response time, in this time of worship, come gather around a brother or a sister in Christ who's saying, I need you to hold my hands. I need you to walk with me. God, as you move in this place, I just pray that by the powerful name of your son, Jesus, God, that, that pride would die. God, that chains would be broken. And God, that we would acknowledge that it's okay to not be okay. And so God, for the children in the room, for, the, for your children who have been through the fire, God, I pray that today they would surrender that affliction. They would surrender that victory. 
and say, God, use my story. That God, for those who are, who are tired of covering it up, God, comfort them today by your people. So God, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.